welcome to The Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Each week, join us on our journey as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. And drink. Can't forget to take that first drink. Yeah. And this is good. This is, um, again, welcome back, Michael, from Oak Tree Winery. Um, And we're drinking some of your wine here. This is your blend. Yeah, this is the uh, Oak Tree 2016 Reflection Blend of Cab and Merlot. Love it. Yeah. So that's what you got to drink it. Of course. Because it's delicious. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So that said, um, the wine we're drinking today, actually, it may shock many people, but it came out of a bottle, (laughs) (laughs) Um, as most wine does. There are other containers which are becoming more and more prevalent these days, but the tradition, the vast bulk and vast majority of wine comes in a bottle. Exactly. Yep. Um, and uh, I tell you what, when we had to choose our bottle, um, there's a lot of options to choose from. Um, so really interesting to kind of figure out what we wanted to choose. Yeah. And I want to circle back around on that because we're going to talk a lot about bottles here. But in my head, I was like, I want to ask you how you guys chose this. Because after learning a lot of these facts, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to know how and why you chose the bottle that, it, that it's coming in. So um, you're going to be prepared to answer that question. We'll come back to it. For sure. <laughs> I got an answer for you. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So, so, but wine bottles themselves. So it comes in a bottle and, and the question is, does the bottle matter, right? Because there's a lot of different wine bottles out there, a lot of different colors, a lot of different shapes. Um, and so really kind of thought it would be good to dive into why are they, what and where, and, and who and what they are. So wine bottles themselves, as, as we know them today, mm-hmm. let's put it that way, the, the most common ones you go on there. And, and again, there's, a, and we'll cover this, there's about three predominant shapes, and maybe if you stretched it, five or, or six, seven main kind of bottle shapes out there that everybody's familiar with. Agreed, yep. Yeah, and so those really came about in the 19th century, um, driven by the French, course, the French and their wine, um, particularly the Bordeaux wine, as I understand, is it's just kind of a way to make their wine more distinguishable. Because prior to that, they were in a wide variety of bottles and vessels. And, and by standardizing that bottle, you could look at that bottle and know it's it's a Bordeaux kind of a thing. Exactly. That's the, the quick history behind that, for sure. Yeah. And so and so they haven't really changed in the last hundred years since, since some of these kind of things were done. So... Um, the, the wine we're drinking out of today, um, or the bottles we're drinking wine out of today, are, are really, to us, very familiar, but actually, in the history of wine, pretty young. Agreed, yeah. Um, I did a little research here, and um, what I see here is wine bottling goes far back as about 6,000 B.C. Wow, um, like in glass bottles, or is that just containers themselves? Containers, or? what they call... Okay. Uh, Earthenware vessels, um, cavevery is what they uh, were used to kind of ferment and store and age. And that was the very first egg-shaped um, material they used uh, for really producing wine. Um, but uh, then I found out that uh, wines really didn't come into bottles into real shape until about the 1600s when they were able to, um, the invention of the coal furnace. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, because that of makes the coal sense. furnace, they're able to make thicker glasses, um, which then we were able to make a thicker bottle, uh, and that bottle was then used for transport. Uh, they could safely move bottles around because of that invention. 
Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, they had to get the black the, the glass thick enough that it's not going to break in transport, right? And that was kind of an, an issue until when when was that? The sixteen hundreds. Sixteen hundreds. Okay. So um, so prior to that, like you said, they had them in these earthenware earthenware clay basically yes. vessels. Um, I read they were the same wine, olive oil, any other kind of yep. prized liquids, if you will, were transported in that. Often wax lined um, with pine or beeswax. Yep. Um, they kind of uh, brought on the Egyptians, I think, were the ones that kind of really perfected that, if you will. Um, and then that's for the longest time, that's how wine was stored, transported, everything else, right? Yeah, very difficult. Um, wasn't transport friendly, but you know what? It got the job done. Yeah, <laughs> it got the job done. And, and, and at that point, that was the, the best they kind of had with the technology, right? And, and uh, you know, and, and the, the challenge, of course, though, is it's hard to make them small. So you usually have bigger vessels. Correct. And they're also heavy. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I've actually held some, um, I don't know if they're authentic ones, but clay, clay oh, wow. vessels, and, and they are heavy. Yeah. And then you, those were empty. Fill them with wine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's fine if you're just hanging out at home. But when you got to, and this is what I think, as with so many things, drives things is transportation trade, right? You've got to haul this thing over hundreds or thousands of miles, either because, um, you know, you're, you're like with the Roman armies, a lot of the armies. I mean, this is how they they got calories in them and True. hydrated them, right? So True. you've got to haul this thing for potentially thousands of miles. So that kind of led people looking for better ways to do it. Not to mention wine was uh, safer to drink than water uh, for many, many years as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so so much of the history and alcohol goes back <laughs> to the fact that the, the part of the reason people drank it is because the alcohol killed off the bad things. And so, but also too, that a lot of people just, because I, I know when I was younger, I had this misconception anyway, that people are running around just, how do you drink wine instead of water? But it was a much weaker. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So it's not <laughs> like, you know, because they carry around a pouch and drink a pouch a day. And I'm just like, that pouch is like two bottles a day or, or whatever. So no, it was, it was far from that equivalent. But yes, exactly. That's. I, they didn't transport water most of the time. They transported wine because it that's how it, what they could drink. Exactly. So um, so that's, I, 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 do you have anything else kind of history-wise that led up to the bottle? Um, well, um, once the bottles were made, uh, I did find that uh, it was very expensive to make these bottles. Uh, typically, they were handcrafted by artisans um, for kings and noble families. Uh, and many wealthy merchants uh, basically had these elaborate bottles with their... Um, family coat of arms on them. Oh, nice. Um, I'd love to see some of those yeah. that survived. Can you imagine? Yes. It'd be cruel. Um, so again, for the longest time, it was just for the affordable people uh, because they had these hand-blown glass bottles that were just um, hard to make and um, uh, hard to come by. Yeah. And then, of course, they didn't become hard to make, hard to come by, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's when the... Um, uh, you started kind of seeing them much more in use. So I, like, like you said, I think it was the 1600s. And then over time, kind of, they got better and better at making these things um, and, and got the thickness right and got everything else right. And then, and it's the serving sizes, right too. So, yep. and there you go. Although we'll kind of get to some of that, but um, you know, uh, they were for a while, it was kind of, you just went to, I guess your local glass blower and said, I need hundred, a thousand, whatever bottles, and, and yeah. you got what they, they gave you to a degree, right? Yep. And then uh, I think what we can maybe talk about next is how maybe they, they blew that glass and, and why 
some of the shape are what they are because of that glass blowing process. Yeah, and that's ultimately what kind of brought about the, the bottles that we use today is it comes to that. So yeah, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, so uh, I think what I saw here is many of the glass blow the glass shapes we see today become from different regions of that technique they use to make that glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the, how it all kind of started. Um, and then I saw that a uh, couple of different areas we can go off into is the shape, the the punt on the bottom. Yeah. And why that is there today. Well, let's talk about the, the let's dive into the punt just for a minute because that I've always been curious about um, and wondered what is the point, what is the purpose, why is it there? Because, and for those who don't know, like I didn't know until now, that is if you feel a wine bottle, at the bottom of the bottle, it, it's kind of indented yep. and they can be small, they can be pretty intense, um, right. uh, but it's there and that is called the punt. So, um, Some people let's, call let's it a dimple. Or a dimple, okay. Yeah, but uh, the punt is most commonly known for it. So as uh, these glass blowers were making these uh, hand-blown bottles, uh, I guess the, the reason they had that is the most common one is it was very hard to flat, completely flat bottle. Mm-hmm. So if they put that indent in there, it made a more sturdy bottle. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, you, you can't make a flat bottom, right? Because you're blowing the glass. Yep. Um, and you can't set it flat <laughs> on, a, on a pointed <laughs> bottom, right? So what do you do? You point it up inside, and then you've, you've now got a stable bottle, right? And then on the secondary, where that piece that they used to break off that final blowing part was actually where that punt was, and oftentimes it would leave a little bit of glass residue, and it would be a little sharp. Oh, okay. So in order to avoid scratching tables and whatnot, that's another reason why they pointed up inside the bottle. Nice. I did not know that. Interesting. So that's why the punt, it was there. Yes. And the reason it's there today. Tradition and yep. some <laughs> other thoughts around the fermentation and the sediment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's number one is probably tradition, right? Yeah. That's, you know, people are, are like what they're used to. Um and they might think um, a flat bottom is is weird. And actually, there's a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of um, interest I, I found around like is the size of the punt related to the quality of the wine? Mm. And the answer is no, right. <laughs> in right. any way, shape, or form. But I think some people may think that it is, and that may be why some people, some winemakers, go with a more intense punt because they make. And I've had that. I'm like, wow, that's like. A major pun. This, <laughs> there must be something going on that they're doing that requires this, yeah. right? And, and it's really not. Um, but a flat bottom might make people think it's a cheap, cheaper True. bottle, cheaper wine, right? So it's it's tradition, perception. Yeah, some say it helps collect the sediment. Um, you know, it kind of drives it all down to the bottom. Um, the strongest part of the bottle, too, yes, people say. Which is why it is actually kind of key. And, and, and sometimes a lot of the sparkling wines will still have it in there because, yeah. as we said, it... it it does. It is the strongest part, and it is. It does add to that structural integrity. So you will still see. So it does kind of almost serve a purpose to that. Um, and another thing is it. Another reason why you might see the more intense punts in some of these too, is because, um, you know, if you have a really big punt, it might make the bottle look bigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> which may people think that they're getting a little bit more wine. That's very very true. So bottom line is what it's it's history, it's tradition, and 
might serve one or two other very small purposes, but really it's just there because it makes us feel good. Yeah, I mean, they were originally there for a, a, a reason of their glass blowing technique, but yeah, it, it's stuck and it, uh, don't, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Right? <laughs> there you go. Um, so that said, there's, there's, we mentioned some of the more traditional shapes of the bottle, mm. the shapes themselves. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about those. And this is a podcast, so it's very hard to show. <laughs> um, so we will try to be descriptive. And I think if you've um, partaken of wine in the past, you will recognize these pretty quickly. So um, the more common ones that I found is the high shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the most common bottle type. Um, if you think of a standard bottle of wine, that's probably it. Um, it's it's again. It was made popular by the by the Bordeaux wines. Um, it's often used for cabs, merlots, um, you know, some white wines, but usually rare. Um, and the 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 it's it's the one that's more cylindrical the whole way up, and then quickly tapers off to the would you call that a the nose neck. neck neck? There you go to the neck of the bottle. So it's kind of a narrow neck. These kind of like broad shoulders. It's what high shoulders up to the top, and then drops. You know, pretty straight down from there. I mean, I've seen slight variations on it, but yeah. but that's pretty much it. And there there is some thought also that by the shoulders were there because they can help trap some of the sediment as you're pouring. Um, but that again is kind of theory. But that's your high shoulder most common bottle. Yeah. So I think the sediment part was more of a secondary um, function of that, where. As they kind of pour some of these older wines, uh, you want to get the sediment out. It was a great way to kind of keep that nice little bit at the very end without having to drink into your wine. And I have seen that, actually. So, I mean, there's got to be some truth to that. When you pour it out, you can sometimes see just that yep. little bit of sediment kind of catching there. Um, next is the sloping shoulder. Um, and so that's more common for your Pinots, Chardonnays, Syrahs, Grenaches. Um, a lot of oak aged white wines will kind of be in this style and that's more of your, it, it, it kind of, again, you have the neck and then it, it still kind of goes to that standard cylindrical, but it takes a lot more time to do it. Yeah. It, it just kind of gradually works its way out. There's no shoulder at all. Yeah. No, no real shoulder. It's a, that's kind of sloping shoulder. Um, it was kind of believed or the rumor or whatever is that it kind of, this bottle has its shape because it was easy to make. Um, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and you can see where make, trying to make those high shoulders was right. probably some work, which, again, knowing Bordeaux and at the time when they were really trying to establish themselves in the quality of their wine, you might spend a little bit more money on that bottle um, to get that. And that actually probably attracted people, which is probably why it became very commonly used, because everyone else said, I should use that, too, because yeah. it makes my wine look good, right? And not to mention, those types of wines typically aren't aged for a long t- time either, so... That's true. Um, so they, it's less, much less sediment. Yep. Yeah, and that's less of an issue. That's very true. Um, there's the, and I'm probably going to not say this right, the Alsace, Alsace, A-L-S-A-C-E, yep. or Mo- Mosel, Mosel? Mosel. We'll go with Mosel. Actually, we'll go Mosel with, section. you know, Mosel? Yeah. It's okay. called from German, yeah. Okay, um, bottle. And so that's your... Rieslings, your your dessert, a lot of your dessert wines, your dry and sweet wines, um, you know, a lot of those. And it's that, that tall, thin, kind mm-hmm. of a sleek looking bottle. So, again, if you're familiar with dessert wines, you drink a lot of dessert wines. Um, and it's not like your tall, 
necessarily port wine. It, it's again, kind of has a little bit of that sloping shape, some of that sloping shoulder shape. It's just much more narrow and I believe it's taller it as well. It is a little taller. Okay. It reminds me of more like a Galliano type of uh, bottle. Okay, there you go. Very tall. Yep. Yep. Um, now, uh, some fun facts on this one is um, the reason these bottles came about, um, or is believed again, um, is because like the, usually a lot of the wine got shipped over to Britain and or several other places um, where it needed to be able to stand a bit of a beating. And that's oh, where those yeah, thicker, stronger bottles worked. Um, but um, often the Rieslings and other things were kind of shipped up and down uh, the river uh, because they were kept more local in Germany and, and kind of in more in, I guess, mainland Europe, you'd call it. Okay. Um, and so they didn't have to be so sturdy. And by they also fit in a different type of boat. So having a narrower, uh, yeah, having a narrower bottle, they could fit more in the space that fit on that type of a boat. So, it, uh, you know, again, as, as so many things come back to it, it's right. transportation and trade. It's, I can move more of these easier um, if I put them in this kind of a bottle. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. So, um, so those, anyway, those so those river boats. Um, then there's the a couple others worth mentioning is the um, sparkling wine mm -hmm. and or champagne bottles. Again, you'll notice they're much thicker um, because uh, we did an episode on champagne, so you can go back and listen to that. But the bottom line is it's under a lot of pressure. Right. Um, seven Earth atmospheres. If you want to do the math, and if that means anything to you, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a lot of pressure basically inside there. So. Um, they're they're designed bigger and thicker and again that punt or, or dimple is a lot more important in those because yeah. it helps for that bottle strength because it was once upon a time an issue that these bottles would just explode exactly <laughs> um and you don't want that and then there's kind of a wide variety of dessert styles so mm -hmm. these are your dessert wines port wines these are generally smaller shorter um and and a lot of times i found they're, they're much more ornate or Pretty, you know, they spend a little bit more time on the bottle, and a lot of them too are kind of very dark, um, and sometimes even not even can't even see through it. Yep. Um, and uh, and a lot of these also have stamps or seals or something, so they they kind of make them feel fun. And then one last one I wanted to mention, just because I think it's like <laughs> really cool, um, and you don't see these that often anymore. But the uh, Italian Chianti, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if you've seen one, but it's that very distinct kind of bulbous right. almost kind of a bottle look um and then they have that uh it's a raffia basket on it and it just exactly. looks so cool <laughs> you're gonna laugh at me for saying this but if you really want to see one easily go yes. to Olive garden oh <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah i kind of really want to see one um and i guess that that actually makes sense that the olive garden would make it because it is so visually appealing yeah it really is it, it's it's feels so old school and traditional to kind of like see it. It makes me think like that's what my great, 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 great whatever yep. was pouring out of. So that's cool. Uh, a couple of, uh, I'll top this off with a couple of wine uh, bottle facts that I found as well. Yeah. Um, so the United States manufactures alone and ships over 2 billion bottles a year. Wow. That's, I mean, that's significant. That is very significant. I'm starting to think. I mean, that that's is that that's all wine bottles yes, specifically. Yes, truly wine bottles. And and you, and I'm trying to think like, is there a case where they wouldn't be filled with wine? And that's got to be rare. So that is a lot of wine. Yeah. And that's just what we're exporting. Right. 
Um, so now the cool thing on top of that is California is one of the highest percentage of recycling, up to 80% wow. online bottles. That's huge. And and since that's brought up, recycle, people. I yeah. mean, seriously, um, you know, resources are finite. And uh, so take the time, recycle your bottle. One thing I'll add, though, here in California, there's no CRV on wine bottles. Really? Yeah, which I would think would help encourage more recycling if there was a CRV. Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, it's a cash redemption value. So you put down a deposit when you buy the bottle, and when you return the bottle, you get at least a portion of that deposit back. Like yep. I said, to encourage people to do that. And that's common on soda bottles or pop bottles, I guess, depending beer on your bottles. region, beer bottles and everything else. I did not realize, I never really thought it's on wine. And maybe it is because, I mean, it is, I mean, it only adds sense to the bottle, yeah. but I could imagine the wine industry, which is very powerful, not wanting to add any additional cost onto their wine. So... Uh, maybe it's driven by that, or, or maybe I'm just no. a skeptic. <laughs> it's just always seeing, you know, that 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 might be the reason why. Agreed. And then lastly, um, all glass. Did you know that it can be recycled endlessly? No, I did not know. Yeah, that. so you can continue to recycle glass. It doesn't lose its purity or quality. You can keep recycling it. Yeah, and that's not true of everything. Like I know paper, you can't yeah. recycle forever. I don't think you can recycle plastic. I mean, because they break down each time they get recycled yeah. and, and become lower and lower quality. But you can't do that with glass. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, recycle, people. Recycle, <laughs> reduce, reuse. There you go. At three R's. Um, so there's a lot of – so that's kind of the bottles themselves. Now, the bottles themselves come in a variety of sizes, mm. right? So – Let's talk about some of the different sizes. So most people are very familiar with the 750 ml uh, milliliter bottle, which is um, basically created in Europe, uh, adopted it also in the U.S. as a metric system. Uh, it's 1979. Uh, it's now um, a real measurement of uh, liquid here in the U.S. as well. Yeah, so that's the standard wine bottle that we used to buy off the shelf. 750 milliliters, and you mentioned 1979 and traces back to what I found, 1975, European legislation declared mm -hmm. that wine could only be sold if it was packed in a certain measure of container. So they decided these certain measures, gotcha. and 750 was one of them, and it is the most convenient, if you think about it size-wise. It's easy to grab and carry around. It you know serves more than one person, or you could serve, a, well, one to several, depending upon <laughs> <laughs> what you're doing there. I won't judge. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot in there, but anyway, so, so that's kind of how we, we got around to, um, that size. Oh, I also fun fact on that though, is they also believe part of that may come around to the fact that, um, for, for a glass blower, if you were a glass blower, that getting to about that 750 milliliter size is usually about maxing out the lung capacity. Makes sense. Yeah, so like that. yeah, so that it kind of is somewhere in that range, and then they just kind of standardized it a little bit. Um, and then another like little fun fact: why it may or may not be that way um, is uh, a box of wine could only contain two gallons, um, and so and they somebody at some point decided that there should be twelve bottles per box. <laughs> um, right, right. And guess what? If you break down two gallons into twelve bottles. That's 750 milliliters. It's funny how that works. <laughs> right? <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. So that's that's your standard bottle. I just had to share some of my, was, my fun facts there. Those are good. I, I had no idea. Um, so if you go down a size, um, that's probably what most people also know as a split, um, which I also 
call a picnic bottle. So if you want to oh. go on a picnic or a single serving, you know, that's a good size for an individual serving. And that's like a, a half bottle size, basically. It's exactly. Split. Okay. And I like those, too, for if I'm... Actually, the, the 375 is the half. The, small, the half of that is called the split. Oh, okay. So, so the split would almost be kind of your single serving. Correct. Okay. And then half of that is the half bottle, which I always kind of enjoy. And I wish there were more of those because... Agreed. Yeah. There's so many times I want wine, but I'm sitting there going like... I'm leaving tomorrow or I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm going to drink. I know I'm not going to drink more than a glass a day and this bottle is going to last more than five days, you know, or whatever. So a nice half bottle would be perfect for those situations. And that's what I love them for. Or better yet, if you're with somebody else and who wants a white and you want a red, you don't have to open a full bottle of each. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. And I like the splits because you're right. That's perfect for like a picnic or something like that. We're just going to, here's one for you, one for me and, and we're, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so those are the two that are below the standard size. Like I mentioned uh, the Demi or the half and then the split. And then above that, I think most common, most people know is the Magnum. Uh, people know what the Magnum is. Basically two standard bottles of a 750 milliliter, so 1.5 milliliters. Yeah, and I like those ones too. I think we've mentioned this in the past. They're great for gifts, for mm -hmm. parties, stuff like that, because it's a little different, a little unique. You can pick them up fairly inexpensively. Yep. But, you know, who doesn't like picking up that bigger bottle and it's just to me it's just i don't, I don't know i makes me feel it sounds weird it makes me feel smaller I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's just kind of a cool feel i'm like man there's a lot of wine and then if that's not big enough for you you get the double magnum and that's your special occasion if you want to have multiple people uh and those are fun also i mean you're yes. not getting too big but you're getting up there yeah you're taking two hands to pour that thing for sure <laughs> Um, and I've, I've shared one of those as well, and that was that was a lot of fun. And then going beyond that, uh, uh, one thing I'll also mention, most of these wine balls, as we get past this double magnum, um, traditionally have names associated with biblical kings or historical figures. Um, so there's about seven other sizes beyond the double magnum. Uh, I'm going to list the size in liters first. And then we can try and butcher some of these names. <laughs> so we get the 450 liter, uh, sorry, 4.5 liter. Uh, there's a there's two of those types, um, different types of bottle sizing. One for sparkling, one for regular. The six, six liter, the nine liter, 12, a 15, and a full 18 liter bottle. That is um, incredible to watch somebody pour because they need a harness to do it. Pour a machine. Well, and so that is, I, I'm trying to do, I started to try to do the math and instead I just cheated and <laughs> looked at your notes. <laughs> That's 24 bottles of wine. Right? Well, 24, what we would assume a standard bottle size yep. is in one or two cases of wine. So that guy, I've seen some of like the big bottles of wine in some restaurants, they have them sitting around. And I wonder if I've ever actually even seen one that is that, that big. And, and you're right. I can't see yeah. easily pouring that thing. That's known as the Solomon, and below that is the Nebuchadnezzar, then the Balthazar, and the Salmazar, and the Imperial, and then there's two others I just will never get right. I know there's the Jeroboam. Yep, that's one of them. And, and the Rehoboam. Rehoboam, 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 R-E-H-O-B-O-A-M. <laughs> Let's spell. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I like that. I like that. That is, uh, and, and those are fun, again, and and uh, you don't see them very often. Um but if you ever get a chance, I mean, um, I'd recommend that you pick one up and and uh, just have some fun with it. And you can YouTube a couple of those. I would recommend watching somebody pour them 
uh, is a feat in itself. I haven't. Okay, I'm gonna actually. I've never seen that, so yeah. I will note to self. Well, I'm YouTube in that one. That is gonna happen. Okay, so we've talked about the shapes. We talked about the sizes, and then there's color, right? So why are the bottles the color that they are? Um, you know, and since about the 1700s, they've been colored bottles of some sort, and there's a lot of thought and tradition kind of behind this as well, um, which is that the darker colored bottles are going to expose, uh, limit the exposure to light. Right. Because um, light will break the wine down um, over time, oxidizes it, causes, you know, all those things to happen. It, it goes bad, basically, which is why they say to store your wine in a dark place. Yeah. Um, but you put it also in a dark bottle. Um, I have seen, though, that some of the bottle colors, green in particular, actually does not block the, sh the wave of light that tends to break it down the fastest. So I don't know if that was just the miss <laughs> um, yeah. or or what, but because um, green is the more, most common wine bottle color um, that I see anyway, usually. Um, so there's that. It's also kind of some theory that perhaps... Um, it was, you know, the, the reds especially were stored in the darker bottles because it hides all the sediment that mm. kind of hangs at the bottom. So, like, if you have this nice clear bottle and you, you hold it up to the light and see all that stuff down right. at the bottom, you may think, ew, um, when really it's good quality aged wine, right? Um, a lot of the time, hopefully. <laughs> um, then some more tradition um, now really kind of plays a role in the color. So, again, that dark green glass is usually your red wines. A lot of times you also see, like, a dark brown um, white wines are almost usually clear or light colored. Right. Um, we mentioned dessert wine bottles that are those dark or solid colors. You really actually can't even see through them most of the time. Um, well, actually not dessert wines. I'm sorry. That's more ports um, and fortified wines. Uh, your dessert wines are usually also in those clear mm -hmm. bottles. Um, and then Rieslings are, uh, by tradition, again, kind of more in an amber colored, although recently there's been a lot of them in blue bottles. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and I actually uh, I had one earlier today in a, in a blue bottle, and it was, I don't know, I, I honestly bought it because it was blue, and I'd done this research, and I'm like, oh, they're putting them in blue bottles a lot, and I don't know that it actually, actually, I can guarantee you it didn't make it taste any better or worse, but it was fun. So you're saying it was a marketing scheme? <laughs> yes, and I bought right on it. <laughs> that would be true. <laughs> and I was bought and sold with that one, 100%. Anyway, so that's color. I don't know if you had anything to add to kind of color thoughts or, or anything else there. No, I think that's pretty much it. Again, it breaks down um, antioxidants, uh, vitamin C, the tannins over time. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you just want to store it in a dark spot anyways, and it doesn't matter what color the bottle is at that point in time. Yeah, and we did a, a, an episode, there was an episode on aging wine, and if you should age it or store it and or or drink it, and the answer is most of the time, drink it. Yeah. Um, so again, that dark color doesn't really matter as much. And actually, I've, I've seen that it's estimated as, as much as 90% and most even conservative estimates are saying about 70% of wine in America is consumed within 24 hours. So, you know, <laughs> that dark color is helping a whole, whole lot, um, but it's still good to have there. So uh, I'm going to ask you how you chose your wine, but before we, or wine bottle, before we do that, anything else on just bottles in general? No, I've given you all my fun facts that I've found as well. So I'm good on that side. All right, so the um, Oak Tree Winery bottle is, actually, I'll let you describe it and then your thinking behind it. For sure. Uh, well, so first of all, I'll say, um, when we chose our bottle three years ago, uh, I had a little couple field trips, you know, mm -hmm. going to the 
local uh, wine stores, Bevmo and Total Wines, just to kind of see what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that kind of gave me a good perception of what I wanted for my bottle. What we ended up choosing was a tapered uh, Bordeaux bottle. So it starts off smaller on the bottom, and it gets a little thicker up top, uh, and then it goes to a high shoulder, and then it followed by a neck. Uh, the only tricky part with that type of bottle is the labeling. Oh. Uh, if you can't see on the podcast here, but Mark, if you see, they uh, have a separation a little bit wider on top as opposed to the bottom. Yes. So this year, we're actually going gonna, gonna to get a tapered label as well. So we have okay. an even uh, width between the labels on the front and the back. That makes sense. And that's something I would not have thought of. I like that kind of tapered bottle feel. I don't know. It feels good in the hand yeah. to me. And maybe I don't know if that's what part of what helped make you make that decision. Um, but I never thought that it does make sense with the taper, the label, if you put on a straight label, it, it's not going to fit because it'll need to taper with the bottle, right? Yeah. And again, I think for a lot of times our wine, we just wanted a nice, strong um, presentation with our wine and it kind of stands out. Uh, you don't see a lot of tapered bottles out there, but I know when I'm out and about and I see a good, strong cab with a big, nice bottle in it, I fall for that. Hey, it must be a great bottle. Yeah, which gets all the way back to another early episode on how to choose a wine. And, and really, people choose based on the label and the bo- appearance, right? It's yeah. like, this looks good. It looks expensive. It looks quality. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to pick that up. And and your bottle fits that. Um, it also has, which I uh, didn't mention, but I think it's it's worth mentioning earlier, is, is that um, foil sleeve or capsule. Mm-hmm. It's kind of called at the top that if anyone's familiar with opening a bottle, you got to peel that foil or capsule away. Um, and not all bottles have that. Actually, I've noticed that a lot of wineries are kind of getting away from that. The primary reason those were put on there was to protect the cork from rodents and cork weevils, which mm. would get in there and chew them up and, and eat them. And so you put that or wax. A mm-hmm. lot of times there you can see, a, I always think that's a really cool look when they dip the top in wax. It's expensive. It's 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 a pain and it's, it's a pain to get them off too. But they look really cool. Um, but that was always to kind of protect the cork. And I think that's much less of an issue today. Most wine is not made or stored in warehouses that are full of rodents and weevils. Yeah. Um, and so I'm noticing, again, a kind of a, a trend in many wines going away from putting anything on the top there. I've noticed the same thing as well. Uh, we went with the traditional foil, um, again, just because of that classic look uh, with a real um, cork, mm-hmm. high quality. But uh, you, like you said, I know this is a wine bottle topic, but uh, as part of the bottle, you have the neck and you have the cork and you have the foil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to see a lot more screw tops, a lot more synthetics. Yes. Um, and I don't think there's a wrong approach, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of it is just what you want your wine to kind of resonate uh, as far as your your presence. And that's, we went with a standard cork and then, and then a foil. But uh, again, I don't judge any of those who use synthetic or a screw top. I think um, in this day and age, you can still get a great quality wine with those. Oh, yeah, and there's reasons for each one. And, again, none of that speaks to the quality of the wine that's inside. It's, it's like you're saying, it's decisions made by yeah. the people making the wine um, and, and maybe driven by something else. But as a whole, again, it's, it's, it's preference and or tradition, which is driving almost everything that's in the bottles that we see today or bucking that trend, right? Exactly. I want to do something different and, and wild and crazy, so I'm going to do something different with my bottle um, and to make it stand out. Yeah, and I think cost is also a factor, and you'll never get a corked bottle with a screw top. Yeah, that's true. So a couple of factors in there. Yeah. All right, anything else to 
to add or talk about? No, this, this was a fun one to kind of uh, learn more about. I really enjoyed it. I mean, everyone sees the bottle, but no one knows the history behind it. So yeah, I definitely didn't. And, and you know, you I think I always just assumed that wine had been in bottles a lot longer than it has been. Um, and and that that again that the wine is what it is. And and I never really thought much beyond into the color or anything else other than I I made some assumptions that had to do with the light or whatever, but. But it was very cool and interesting and thinking fun to get to the facts. Agreed. Awesome. Well, uh, if you have a, want a, any more information, you want to give ideas for topics, you have questions or input, uh, you can check out the website, which is uh, theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Uh, definitely please subscribe and rate us. Um, again, I, we say that every week, but it's <laughs> always a good thing. Again, it, it helps. I mean, helps people make decisions just like on Amazon, anything else, right? You want to go and look and see, hey, is this well rated to, to decide if you want to listen to it? So that helps people find us and, and decide to listen to us. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.